and welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined by Joe Chung from As the Joe Flies, and welcome to another show. Hey, Joe, how was your weekend? I heard that you met Mark for the first time in person. Yes, yes, I did. Uh, he was, I didn't even know, like, I saw he had been touring uh, New Haven to get pizza, and then he was flying out of Boston, and so I swung over to his hotel uh to say hello so we met in person it was weird though i must say it was weird that it wasn't weird because i've seen his face so many times and it's just instead of being uh three feet away on a monitor it was like three feet away in real life so it actually was less weird than i thought it was going to be he said the same thing i just talked to him uh recorded the vegas show with him the uh, youtube vegas show and he said exactly the same thing that it wasn't as weird as he expected and i i don't I don't know. It's sort of strange the world of technology that we live in that you can have a whole relationship with somebody. You guys were face to face so much that, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And Mark, if you're a new listener to the show, was our co-host up until the end of the year. And he's actually going to come back and do a show with us sometime in the next couple months talking about uh, his trip and look forward to that. He'll be back with us guesting. Yeah, like uh, I think... The weird thing about technology is I've definitely, you know, and we've talked about it many times, you know, whether it be the MTM Diamond Group or any other Miles and Points groups or any online community, I think it's normally weirder when you meet in person for the first time. I think for us, well, Sean, you and I have hung out in person before, but like for us, it's different because we're like talking essentially on Zoom every week. And I bet you that's what people are like with their coworkers. But still, when I like meet people who I've only like typed to online, that's, that's still a little bit weird. Yeah, that is different, I think, when you have, like, the face and the, the mannerisms and everything sort of in front of you on video, so you, you get more of that intimate thing. Although I was thinking back when I saw that picture of you and Mark, and it's been, what, like, seven years or something since I've seen you in person? It's been quite a long time. It's not Certainly not since we started long. recording this show. I mean, I haven't seen you in the last few years in person since we started doing this podcast, so hopefully soon, we'll Joe. We'll have to rectify point. that. You have to yeah. you have to randomly be in Boston. Like, uh, yeah, uh, I think it also worked out better because um, I don't know. I don't I don't like making plans in advance, and so he just happened to be around. So I was like, okay, I'll just swing by for like an hour. So that worked. <laughs> Good to hear it. So uh, before we get into the show, as a reminder, people can find everything that we do related to this show mtmpodcast.com. You can find links to subscribe any podcast app, links to apply for cards if you want to support the show. Everything at mtm podcast.com. Now this last weekend was my 22nd wedding anniversary. And uh, we went to the Waldorf Cabo, like we talked about on the last show, spent a few days there. I don't want to talk more about this hotel because we've talked about it too much on this show. So I'm just going to give a bottom line, my thoughts after two stays, five-star hard product, four-star soft product. Service just isn't five-star at this hotel, but it's also just below that. That's my opinion. Hopefully, uh, I'm sure I'm pissing people off, but that's it. I don't want to go into further detail. Just a lot of little things, but nothing that would keep me away from this hotel. And I do love the room still. I do love the hard product. So that's my thoughts on the Waldorf Cabo. But after that, we went up to Southern California. And the plan was to spend this entire week up in Southern California, except I don't know if you heard, but the rain has been terrible there. And it's going to rain even more all this week. So we spent a couple days, though, up in the L.A. area. And that's where Jasmine and I both kind of grew up but also never met each other. We grew up about 10 minutes from each other, but we didn't meet until Las Vegas. When we met and started dating, we started going there on trips all the time and started doing all kinds of different things. So 
on Saturday on our anniversary, we drove all around Southern California showing our daughter all the places where like where we grew up, where I lived, our schools, our playgrounds, the parks we played in, all of that stuff. It was sort of uh, fun. And it reminded me, like, as you get older, that sort of nostalgia or nostalgia travel, I guess, where you go back and kind of revisit your youth in certain ways. It's kind of fun. I don't think when you're younger, you kind of get that perspective. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, before I talk about that, I feel like my kids are still at the age and my oldest is like bordering the age where she like no longer cares about her parents' nostalgic history, you know, when she's pretty into the the grand tour. No, not really. So, yeah, this tour was mostly for me and Jasmine, and we enjoyed it because we hadn't been to these places in a while. <laughs> um, so, But she did enjoy going to the playground at the park I used to play in as a kid. So she loved that part, getting to play on the slides. And they have this new obstacle course. So she loved all of that. Yeah, and she complained about some of the other stuff. But it was cool because we went inside, like, the apartment building where I grew up and saw what that looked like today. The other thing that I kind of realized, and I realized this before, is that everything in my memories seems so much bigger. Like the apartment building seems so much bigger. The pool was like small. And I remember it being this giant pool in the apartment building. And it's crazy how you experience the world as a little person and then you go back as an adult and everything, you know, seems so small compared to how you remember it. I even remember that, Joe, the first time I went to Disneyland as an adult, Disney drinking game, people out there, you can take a shot. But I went on Thunder Mountain, and I remember it being this, like, giant coaster as a kid. And then, you know, it's not very much, right? As an adult, it's not very thrilling or crazy. So, yeah, it's fun. But nostalgia travel is fun. And I guess that's the the fun part of being married for 22 years. We get to relive some of those cool things. Yeah, and I think it's – I mean, I also would love to nostalgia travel. It's not like I'm – going back to New Jersey to visit my old house. But obviously I spent time growing up in Hong Kong, like from fifth to seventh grade, like we've talked about before. And so, you know, when I am ready to go back there, I'm still not quite ready to go back. But when I am, you know, I think there are like places that I want to see that like I was at when I was a kid. I don't know why for some reason with New Jersey, like, I mean, we've driven by the old house a few times, but it's, it's kind of like, whatever. I guess New Jersey is not, you know, even LA is a better uh, <laughs> yeah. than just random Homedale, New Jersey, but uh, shout out to Homedale though. Um, and so I think the other thing that kicks in with nostalgia and like you guys have been married 22 years, congratulations, um, you know, for my wife and myself, Thank you. we've been married for 14 and I am definitely at the point where I'm like, I want to start revisiting the places that we went to when like we were younger and before we had kids. And there's a nostalgia to that, too. And, you know, I'm sure you and Jasmine have, I mean, obviously, with two round-the-world um, tours, you know, you have a lot more boxes to check off. But, like, there are places that, um, you know, I always talk about uh, our time in Argentina and the Valle de Uco region outside of Mendoza. And, like, I would love to get back there, especially when the kids are a little older and they can appreciate it a little bit. Yeah, this is one of the reasons I talk about not waiting till you're retired to travel, you know, that so-called American dream, I'm going to retire and then I'm going to travel all the travel I wanted to do my whole life is because over time you develop relationships with places and some of the best joy in life is revisiting places at different points in your life and relating to them, but also, you know, having that nostalgia and having those memories and then building those deeper senses of connection and yeah, I was interested about the Hong Kong stuff. That's what I was going to ask you about because, you know, that's a whole different ball game, right? That city has transformed so much too. You know, where I grew up, 
it's pretty much, you know, still the same. I'd say there's a new shopping center where something else was before, but for the most part, it feels the same. But I can imagine maybe in Hong Kong, especially in certain areas, it would be completely different. I read an article this week about how they're trying to repurpose those 40,000 quarantine units that they have around Hong Kong because the housing prices are so crazy. Joe, I I read that like some 200 to 300 foot uh, flats are going for like a million dollars there right now. So I guess if we think real estate prices are crazy here, Hong Kong uh, has it beat. But yeah, it's interesting to see that that housing crisis thing is happening there as well. Yeah, there's a there's also a huge. Uh, I don't want to get into too much uh, socioeconomics, but there's also a huge class divide in Hong Kong as well. Probably more stark, um, and it's more clear because you know everyone's in the same place. Whereas in the United States, of course, we have a class divide, but we're all spread out. I think you know it's interesting. I guess it's like any place you go back to. I mean, imagine people in Europe, right? Europe has been building on top of itself for centuries, and you know Hong Kong. It's only been decades, but uh, it's still very similar. Like. A lot of the stuff is the same, but then, you know, this storefront has changed or in some cases, like this entire apartment building exists where one didn't used to exist, but, you know, still good to go back to. It's like, uh, it's always the little things like the buses feel the same. The taxi feels the same. The MTR, which is the subway there, you know, it's a little cleaner every once in a while, but that mostly feels the same as well. And I think that's like any city that you have spent a lot of time in whenever you revisit it, you know, you notice the same things, not not only city, but any location. Absolutely. It's that's true. Now, what doesn't feel the same is the miles and points space because things change so darn quickly. And just when you feel comfortable with something, you know, it goes away. And uh, this week, we lost some kind of sweet spots in award charts. I think the big one was Virgin ANA first class got hugely devalued, like a 40% devaluation with no notice. And Chris Dong at the Chris Flyer on Twitter, he's a really good follow. He is a freelance writer, used to write for the Points Guy. I've met him. He's a really great guy and he knows his stuff. So I highly recommend following him on Twitter. But he kind of pointed out and he said, the more I hear of massive devaluations like this, the more I feel it doesn't make sense for casual once a year travelers to really get into the weeds with miles and points. Learn the fundamentals, yes, but to invest the time into sweet spots only to have them disappear is such a waste. And, you know, we're in the TikTok era now where things go viral and, you know, a simple thing about a a sweet spot can get millions of views in just a few days. And that really has put pressure, not just in miles and points, but across the board, right? We've seen, you know, Chipotle hacks, right? They go viral and then they have to shut them down. So all kinds of stuff happens like that on TikTok. But do you think that this sort of new social media age has brought so much attention to the hobby that it really isn't worth learning these really niche things because they're going to go away as soon as people find out about them? It's a weird and evolving thing. I would say that the evolution of social media has maybe killed things a little bit faster. But in the end, I think the game, um, and I mean this not in the... um, miles and points game sense, but I mean this in the clout game sense, is still the same. You post something that's really exciting, like ANA first class sweet spots. I mean, that lasted for a long time, so maybe that's not a great example. But like some some kind of great deal that no one noticed before. But, you know, a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people are just posting this kind of for social media clout, like to get more followers or to get people very excited. Because the reality is, even out of the hardcore travel hackers who know what they're doing, right? Maybe five 
10% of them will use it you know what use whatever the the deal is right but then because it seems like such a good deal it expands way beyond that scope but then out of like the you know say 101 level travel hackers the people just dabble in mouse and points maybe like one percent of them will use it but you know you look really smart posting it and let me be clear i'm not like criticizing people i'm just saying like this is kind of like the game of producing content and so in some senses, it's like, yeah, maybe they kill a little faster, but really it's just, it's just about getting seen. And if you're posting these things, you know, you're still kind of accomplishing that for better or for worse. And you're, you make a good point. And this sort of reminds me of when it was just blogs back in the day, right? Everybody hated bloggers for posting deals and would jump on us. I do think there's a lot more eyeballs on this yeah, stuff Time now. out. How come no one says <laughs> TikTok killing deals? Okay. Bloggers killing deals was like, it was the, it was the, uh catchphrase for so long you know people would always say that no one's saying tiktok killing deals i mean come on be consistent here haters i think the haters are too old to know about tiktok so they're just they're still stuck in the blog era so they still hate on us the, uh, the bloggers but i think there are a lot more eyeballs on stuff like this but of course the blogosphere has matured a lot too so the biggest blogs are getting far more views and then the points guy has you know is a mainstream site now it's not really a blog it's a mainstream travel website, the biggest affiliate website in the entire world. And so, yeah, they're reaching more and more people. And there is this sales mechanism behind it, too, where, you know, they're, the banks are making money off these credit cards, the travel, the airlines, the hotel programs are making money off selling points. And so this is a profitable venture for them. So in one way, we're kind of like buying into their trap, I guess, you know, in that they want to make money and kind of selling this dream of travel but also people like us are accomplishing a lot of travel for free and we're quote unquote winning. I don't want to say it like that, but you know, we're doing well with it. But I think a lot of people kind of fall in an area where they're chasing it to a certain point, but it becomes too much. They give up and then they don't end up getting all the benefits that they think they are. And it can be a huge time suck and stuff like that. So I do sort of agree. If you're not traveling all the time, unless your focus is on using credit card rewards for cash back, or, you know, to invest or whatever, maybe it isn't worth really diving in deep into this hobby because you're not going to get enough benefit. But I know people who only travel like on one big trip a year in this hobby and they do it really over the top, right? High end hotels that they get for free, first class flights. And that's enough for them because they're getting huge amount of value for that one trip. So I guess it really just depends on, uh, I guess, how much time you have and what you're willing to invest but if somebody told me, I don't think it's worth the time to invest into miles and points, as Chris said, I'd say, learn the fundamentals, but don't lose sleep over learning every single little thing. Yeah, I totally agree with what he's saying there. I guess when I first started, and again, we didn't have kids, so we could go somewhere at the drop of a dime at that time. I would pay more attention to these niche redemptions and these really like great sweet spots that were amazing. And I would always keep them back of mind. But now I've kind of gotten to the point, and we talked about this with Spencer's award alert service, which I'm happy to support. And which, by the way, will one way to solve, I know Spencer's been talking about this on Twitter a little bit, one way to solve the 
uh, whole clout chasing game is to support your favorite content creators the way that you can. You can, um, well, I know MTM Diamond is closed right now, but you know when MTM Diamond is open, you can support MTM there or use their credit card links or you know with other creators if they have Patreons or whatever you can sign up for that. But anyway, that aside, I've gone to the point where it's like if I see something and it fits what what I'm thinking about, I'll use it. But I'm not relying on these sweet spots, and I really caution anyone who is not like heavily steeped into this and traveling fairly often like don't rely on a sweet spot like if you're holding out for ana's sweet spot to japan and you're going in two years well all of a sudden you're out of luck so not only don't rely on the sweet spots but also as we always say focus on the flexible rewards like membership rewards ultimate rewards or even capital one miles uh, venture rewards these days you know that kind of covers your bases better if you're more of a average or casual user and i think even for you and me sean you're traveling a lot more than me but still i don't think you're like trying to maximize every single deal anymore like you used to yeah we've talked about this a lot over the years and written about it mark wrote about it a lot and so did i is that you can get burnout and there's only so much that you can do and you know, you got to just sort of focus in on it and you have to, over time, I think you learn what deals work and don't. And in, yeah, even though you learn about deals to your point, learn about sweet spots, you don't always use them. Maybe a minority of people do. So they're nice to talk about sometimes like, oh, ANA first class, you know, but how many people are actually booking that? How many people are actually doing it? So, you know, don't lose sleep over it. I think Spencer's Twitter thread was interesting, too, because he talks about how this space is maybe a little different than other spaces in that, in his perception, audiences aren't as willing to support creators as they are in other spaces. And so creators turn more towards, you know, affiliate links. And that is not a problem. We have affiliate links, but the problem sort of comes in when they're trying to what, obfuscate, hide the relationship that they have there. We see that a lot, especially on social media. Obviously, in blogs, we used to see it too, but I think there was a lot of attacks on people who are like that. It's okay to have affiliate relationships. It's okay to have the links. You just have to disclose it and just be upfront and honest. But, you know, Spencer has been able to do well with his award alerts. Uh, We have the Diamond Group, which, by the way, uh, if people want to know, the way the Diamond Group is, is we have a set number of people. And then if people do cancel, slots do open up. So you can always check it at patreon.com forward slash miles to memories, because occasionally we'll have a slot open or two. So uh, we are not like we previously we capped it. We just shut off membership and then we would lose some people. And then a few months later, we would reopen it. But now we just have slots open as somebody cancels that opens a slot. Somebody else can sign up. But it is cool that people support us. And it is cool people support Spencer and other people. And you get better quality content. You get a more personal relationship with the content creators. I think you get a better relationship with the content and you get deeper knowledge, better networking. So you do get some benefit of that. Maybe for a lot of people who are just casual travelers, it doesn't make sense to do that. We'll put a link in the show notes to Spencer's thread as well, along with the the tweet from Chris and some interesting stuff. I don't know, uh, but... I don't think if somebody came up to me and said, I don't think miles and points are worth it. I really don't travel that much. My first thing would not be to tell them you're wrong. It would probably be you're right, but maybe you could learn a few things to help you out, but you don't need to spend massive amounts of time on this uh, because it may not be worth it. But there are people out there and you know them that just love this stuff. And it's not really as much about the free travel. It's about being in the hobby, loving all the deals, they get a high off of finding a deal and redeeming it and 
saving money and all of that. So that's another aspect to it as well. Yeah, I was about to say it's it's like a, another hobby. You know, it's funny in one of the Disney groups I'm in, like people are really getting into miles and points and it's interesting to see them get into it. I, you know, I've always said that, you know, hacking Disney and hacking miles and points, I mean, it ticks off similar, you know, we've, uh, we've said it ad nauseum on this podcast. And so I will take everything I said and caveat with, like, if you enjoy, like, if you enjoy reading about the sweet spots and learning them and knowing them, even if you're not going to use them, then all the more power to you. You know, we all need our hobbies. We all need our like uh, creative and intellectual outlets that aren't related to our actual work, except for you, Sean. You gotta, you, this is this is work and hobby for you, but uh, you know. So I, you know, I think it's I think it's great if if you enjoy it. But all I'm saying is don't rely on, especially like niche sweet spots that you can tell are like, you know, it's like any deal. Like when uh, apples aren't on sale at the grocery store every single week, right? You know that that's gonna go away. So don't rely on that for a big trip that you have like 12 months from now. But if it works three months from now, go for it. Yeah. And just like in life, the only constant in this hobby is change. And so whatever you're really comfortable with, oh my God, this deal is great. I love this deal. I guarantee you it's going to go away at some point. So don't get too attached uh, to stuff. So speaking of deals coming, Chase Sapphire Preferred, we all know that card, right? That's the, I think that's really the card that started it all, started this whole crazy travel rewards thing. Not really, but it's the one that really paved the way over the last 10 years. And it's uh, the a card one that um, like, when things started getting more mainstream, like I think it was the, you know, a big driver of that. Yeah, for sure. And so it's a card I think everybody's had or they get at some point. It also gets you into the Chase Ultimate Rewards ecosystem. And it's a pretty good card for $95. And it's not the best card anymore. It used to be, I'd say, a much better card compared to others. And then, you know, the industry matured and there's some good competition for it. But starting on March 19th, you're going to be able to get a 90,000 point bonus on the Sapphire Preferred in branch. Now, in the past, they've brought these offers to online eventually. So it's going to start in branch. We don't know if it'll come online, but 80,000 points after spending 4,000 in the first three months, and then another 10,000 points after spending 6,000 total. So another 2,000 over the 4,000 in the first six months. So basically 90K for spending 6K in six months. It's pretty good offer. I think that's the best we've ever seen on Sapphire Preferred. Just like with the other banks, Amex, everything, we're seeing record bonuses. Now, of course, you know, if you don't, if you have this card already, you're not eligible. If you had the bonus in the last couple of years, you're not eligible. You have to be under 524. But if people haven't had this card in a while, or they're looking to pick it up, this is a, I mean, I can't argue, this is an amazing bonus. Certainly worth at least $900, but probably a lot more for travel. Yeah, every single one of you who's listening and being like, yeah, that's me, you know, I'm just uh, casually getting into miles and points and hope to save, you know, a couple of dollars on my next vacation. You're probably the ones who don't have the Chase Sapphire Preferred yet, so uh, go ahead and jump on this bonus. Yeah, I think the reserve was 100K for, um, what was that, like four, five, six months? Those were golden times, but I, I can't remember the Preferred ever being higher than 60,000, but of course, I don't track these things. I don't remember. I think 60 or 70 is the highest. Again, I don't have the, the tracking numbers in front of me. I would stake my reputation that there's never been a 90K public offer on this card. But it just shows you that we continue to see huge welcome offers. People have said that these nice welcome offers have gone away, are going to go away, but they haven't yet. And like I said, this is going to be in branch. So that's a little bit of a, 
a thing if you've never done in branch with Chase. It is a little bit of a process. You have to make an appointment and sit down with a banker, but they're very friendly. I've done it before for bank accounts, and sometimes they have bank account bonuses, so you can take advantage of that and kind of combine the two into one. But if you don't want to go into branch, usually in the past they have brought these offers to the online sphere. So we'll hopefully we'll get an online version of this eventually, a version through referrals maybe too for people who have the card to refer their friends. I think if I had a referral, I mean, this is a card I could think you could go up to anybody and say, you should get this, you know, 90,000 ultimate rewards, whether they're into miles or points or not. This is one I think to get, even for somebody who doesn't want to sign up for anything, because uh, it's so simple. It's a good card, low annual fee and a huge value that first year. And it's not like the ink cards, which we know are going away. That 90K bonus is going away uh, next week. It's not like those where you need a business and all that other stuff. This is kind of a not the starter level card that the freedom is, but you need good credit, but you don't need crazy things. You don't need to be heavily invested into all this stuff. So uh, good to see uh, that. And we'll let you guys know if it does come online and if we see a version of that. Since we um, you know, might as well be talking to people who may be unfamiliar, Sean, I, it might be good like for us to do a quick review of what ultimate rewards are good for. Um, which is the points currency that you will earn if you get the Chase Sapphire Preferred. Obviously, I know a lot of you who are listening already know this, but you know, typically I've been using them for United and Hyatt. I know there's a lot of other niche redemptions and things like that. Um, like, can it go to? It can go to Flying Blue now too, right? I, I never use it for stuff like that, but for me, it's mostly United and Hyatt. But uh, and then of course you can redeem for cashback or use it for 1.25 cents per point for travel if, if you only have the preferred. But uh, Sean, what are you know some of your uses of ultimate rewards or the ones the 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 tricky ones that I didn't you know I just did the boring ones. I wish I was more uh, advanced with this. I used to use it for Korean Air back in the day, but that's been gone for a long time. RIP. Yeah. I still have miles sitting there from like a transfer. You should never do this, by the way. I don't think I have Korean Air miles sitting there that I transferred before they. Uh, before the partnership between Chase and Korean Air went away, and I haven't been able to book it. Now, Korean Air was supposed to devalue their program, and then they just canceled that devaluation, so maybe I have a little bit more time. But I don't recommend speculatively transferring points if you don't have a use for them. But I still use them for Hyatt and United like you. United's more rare, although like flying my son back from Southeast Asia when he just came back from his trip, I used Ultimate Rewards to United to kind of top off my account to get him an award on that. And Hyatt is, you know, people out there know I stay in a lot of Hyatt. So I'm constantly churning through Hyatt points. And so that's where a lot of my ultimate rewards go. Although I have the Sapphire Reserve and I do book some travel through the portal at 1.5 cents each. So cheap flights. Yeah, like I'll tours. Do that. <laughs> yeah. And then I always forget about every year I forget I book tours and then I forget. And yeah. And then the tours get messed up and then I have to fight to get my points back and so I don't, I really don't recommend booking activities that much through the Ultimate Rewards Portal. Although in Cabo, Joe, I did find a really good price on round trip airport transportation, which in Cabo is insanely expensive. And the last time we were there last year, uh, we were flying in domestic. So we just took the bus, which was great, but it's a little bit more complicated from the international terminal. And then to get back to the airport last time, we were taking Uber and the Uber driver basically extorted us in the middle of the ride to pay him cash because he didn't want, he wanted to go off app. And we had to do that because we were running like, it was a mess. So this time we booked transportation. I did use ultimate rewards, one and a half cents each. It worked great, but that was through Grayline. 
on Ultimate Rewards. So I knew it was like a big company and it, it worked out fairly well there. So yeah, activities once in a while, but cheap flights too. Don't underestimate that. Sometimes the cash prices of flights are cheap enough and you don't want to spend the cash, right? So you can book them that way. But I'd say probably 80% of my points go towards Hyatt. And I'm happy with that. I'm happy with the value that I get redeeming at Hyatt Hotels. I think one nice thing that has happened with Ultimate Rewards and Membership Rewards is they have like a lot more in common. So depending on how much you have in American Express Membership Rewards or Chase Ultimate Rewards, you can combine to get what you need. So, you know, that's British Airways Executive Club, which I mean, that was always there. But Flying Blue, like I said, now you can transfer from Ultimate Rewards now. It used to be only Membership Rewards. And then Aeroplan uh, is another good option um you know sometimes on aeroplan actually i think i saw there was some deal on aeroplan to uh i think it was economy or something but it was to uh the south pacific to auckland or something so it's good to know these options again uh, i'm gonna reiterate what you said sean don't speculatively transfer to any program that is not like a program you use regularly but knowing that it's there and being able to combine between two different banks um and you know Capital One can do some of these as well. Um, that's always great. And other transfer partners like Marriott and IHG and Southwest typically aren't great. But I do know people who redeem ultimate rewards for Southwest points. They're able to earn a lot of points using like 5X on a Chase Inc. card. And so they have a lot of points and they fly Southwest a lot. And maybe they have the companion pass. So it makes sense to them, even though, you know, you're getting what, 1.1 cent or whatever it is for old, for a rapid rewards point less than you typically get, let's say with Hyatt, it still makes sense for people. So don't always look just at the valuation, trying to get the best cent per point, because what works for you in your life is the best redemption. And just remember that. Don't be ashamed. You can, if, Especially like if you have to top off Marriott, maybe that's not the best value, but it gets you the room that you need. I wouldn't transfer all my points for a, a Marriott redemption, but if I needed a couple thousand, I would do that. Southwest, I wouldn't argue with anybody who did it. And especially if they had the companion pass because your true value is better. But don't worry about the cents per point. Worry about how it works for you. And if you're comfortable with it, if it makes you happy, then do it. That's what I say. For sure. And speaking of a deal update, Amazon has all these deals with where you pay with points and they give you a percentage off. We've talked about them before. Well, this week, it seems like the membership rewards one is back where you can get up to 50% off of Amazon with membership rewards. I checked it today. I got 30% off on a couple of accounts. Lately, I've been buying Uber gift cards with these. So you can buy an Uber gift card, for example, with the deal I have 30% off. I could get a $100 Uber gift card for $70. In the past, I've had the 50% off, which was really nice. And I use that because we're traveling a lot. So we do use Uber a lot. And I find that I often burn through my Amex Uber credits you know, pretty early in the month. And then I still have other stuff to do. We also do Uber Eats when we're traveling. That makes it easy. You know, sometimes with kids, you don't want to go to a restaurant. You're not always wanting to go out, especially when you're going hard all day. So it's nice to be able to do Uber Eats. And that's kind of locking in that discount. But whatever you do, you can just buy anything on Amazon. Uh, we'll put a link in the description to the post that you can uh, check all your accounts. And if you have multiple accounts, make sure you check all of them. Because I think our household, we have about nine Amazon accounts for various reasons. Some of them are business, some of them are personal, but I always go through all of them and usually two to three are targeted. Today it was two. In the past I've had six or seven, but it's always free money and I like that. So glad to see that back and just a reminder. 
usually every couple of months we see them resurface. Yeah, that's great. Once again, need to check my accounts because I always forget, but that's why I love recording this podcast with you, Sean. You send me a reminder via our podcast episode notes. Yeah, this has been one of my favorite deals over the years. I used to buy Best Buy gift cards, and then sometimes I would use it for merchandise. So if people are doing buyer's clubs out there, that's this is a good way to kind of get Best Buy at a discount. If you're doing home improvement, I think they have Home Depot gift cards on there, so you can lock in savings on that. I like the gift card angle just because it's a little easier than trying to figure out what to buy. You can't buy Amazon gift cards, so you know you can only buy third-party with a discount. But somebody had mentioned Uber to me, and I think I have even talked about this on the show before, but that redemption makes the most sense. But I used to actually buy Best Buy and sometimes resell the gift cards and resell merchandise. But today, Uber, life is simple. Keep giving us that free money. Hopefully, we'll see other ones. I know there's a U.S. Bank one and some other ones that are resurfacing. Um, But we have all that information on the website uh, for you guys as well. Now, next week, we're going to have Ian Snyder. He was supposed to be here this week. We had uh, an issue with scheduling, but he's going to be here talking about his trip. He went to Scandinavia recently, Joe, did a lot of cool stuff there. Uh, He flew A321T Transcon First Class on AA, a product that's going away. So we have a lot to discuss about his travel, his redemptions. He's a contributor to Miles to Memories, too. He really knows his redemption stuff, and he does a lot of those types of trips. So I think he'll have a lot to add to the show and a lot of maybe aspirational stuff, but also nuts and bolts for people on how he booked his trip. I know a lot of people like that. When we had Han on last year talking about his epic trip, that was one of the most popular episodes. So hopefully uh, we'll get some good stuff from Ian next week on the show. And uh, you'll probably be back with us, what, in a couple weeks? Yep. Um on Ian, he is definitely someone who both benefits from the travel, but really enjoys the process of like finding the best redemptions and knowing like X, Y, and Z program. I mean, when he talks about some of the redemptions he makes, it's like the equivalent of, I have never even heard of this program. I mean, he's like, I have obviously because I've been around for a while, but he's really great with stuff like that. So looking forward to hearing that. And the other thing is, um, the thing that I really can't get behind is, you know, he knows so much about every single, like A321T Transcon, like that means nothing to me, or not Transcon, Transatlantic, right? That means barely anything to me, except for I know that's the, it's probably, is it the same product? Or I guess we'll find out. Is it the same product that American Airlines flies in? It's like East Coast to West Coast flights uh, for, you know, first class and stuff like that. Yeah. So the, I think the T is Transcon, the 321T. I think the T stands for Transcon. That's the product they launched several years ago. It was basically to compete with JetBlue Mint. And that pro- that plane has a business class, a first class, and economy, which is interesting. And the first class seat on that plane is basically like the business class on their wide body international planes. Um, but they're kind of doing away with that configuration uh, now. So, But they are flying, uh, AA is flying a lot more wide bodies domestically now still. I notice, uh, especially through their hub cities, so it's often you're often able to do that to get upgraded or to fly lie flat. So I feel like the novelty of the 321T is sort of worn off. Although I will say I flew that product, I don't know, five or six years ago, and it was great. I mean, it was a great product. You got to access to the first class lounge, the flagship first lounge uh, in JFK at the time. That's where I flew it, JFK to LAX. And yeah, it was great. And he did a review on the site. So we'll put a link in the show notes too of his full review of just recently flying it. So yeah, lots of good stuff coming with Ian. 
And like I said, we'll have Mark coming up on a future show and some other interesting guests coming up in the next couple months as well. So I'm going to hopefully be on my Virgin Cruise in two weeks from now. So uh, we'll have some future shows to talk about the Virgin experience. And I think that's all we have coming up. Anything else before we sign off today? Nope. Pleasure as always. And looking forward to hearing Ian and uh, other future guests. And hit us up on social media about the topics. I'd love to like discuss this stuff uh, about what we talked about with Spencer and Chris's tweets about miles and points, whether it's worth it. So hit us up on social media. I'm at miles to memories and Joe, where can people find you? Find me at Azro Flies all over social media. You can also, if you're booking a trip to Disney or a cruise with cash or something, email me, Joseph Chung at Travelmation with an M dot net. Miles to memories.com for all of our posts, podcasts, videos. Everything we do is right there. And then, like I said, at Miles to Memories all over social media. Still doing the Vegas YouTube stuff, youtube.com forward slash Miles to Memories. Two shows a week released there, Tuesdays and Fridays, if you love Las Vegas. And like I said, everything on the website, milestomemories.com. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time. See ya. See ya.